You're listening to the Rise in Love podcast, where we believe that you get to have love and success in all areas of your life. Your host, Crystal Iram, will help you understand yourself, your relationships, and what's keeping you from having the love relationship and life you really want. Week after week, you'll have your mind blown as you learn from experts and listen in on honest conversations to experience mindset shifts and get practical instruction on how to use your mind to support you in getting everything you desire. We'll get to the heart of the matter when it comes to designing and elevating all aspects of love and life. Here's your host, educator, relationship coach, and lawyer, Crystal Iram. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Rise in Love podcast. It's Crystal here, and I am very excited for today's episode. It is going to be a very, very good one, and we are going to be diving into something that a lot of people are talking about, which is the Tinder Swindler. The Tinder Swindler is a new documentary out on Netflix talking all about the Tinder Swindler, a man who conned many women out of a lot, a lot of money. And I really want to dig into that a bit and talk especially about what you can do when you are dating to avoid something like that. You know, some of the things that I saw that I think a lot of women do that is very common and some of the things that you really want to stay aware of. But before we get into all that, I want to let you know about something incredibly exciting, which is that I am opening up a very few number of slots to work with me in a high level way. And that is going to be through my mastermind. And let me just tell you about this because it is very cool. Only a few spots available and it's going to be very special. Part of the reason that this is very special is that this particular group is going to be for you incredible women who are in European, Asian, Australian time zones. This is different because usually when I have my masterminds and my small group coaching, it's in North American time zones. But I have been getting a lot of requests from women who are not in North America. And so, yeah, this group is going to be for that Australian time zone, Asian time zones, African time zone, European time zone, basically other than North America. So... That's pretty awesome. So if you have been wanting to work with me and you're in Australia, for example, and the times when I usually do my coaching just could not possibly ever work for you, this is going to be your opportunity. So I'm really excited. We're going to be starting very soon. We're moving into the end of February and I'm going to be starting this group at the very beginning of March. So if you've been waiting for an opportunity to work with me, then what you're going to want to do is send me a DM over on Instagram. If you send me a DM, I will send you the link that will give you all of the information about the program, um, as well as the application, and we can get you started. Like I said, there's only a couple of spaces available. You know, I just don't work with large, with huge groups of women right now. I'm, I'm really enjoying these more intimate settings with just really going in deep and helping you you know, reprogram your subconscious and get absolutely clear on what you want to create and manifest that love that you want. So I will be working with this small group of women and I'm really, really excited. So if this is something that speaks to you and you're in one of those time zones where you haven't had the opportunity to work with me, then this is your chance. The other thing I want to mention about this that's really important is that 100%, this will definitely be the only opportunity to work with me 
for people in those other time zones. 100% in 2022, this is the absolute only way. Now, the tricky thing is this may be the only way that I'm really working with people in an intimate way in 2022 at all. I haven't yet decided if I'm going to offer another group for those North American time zones. So if you really would like the opportunity to work with me in 2022 and you're not in Australia, you can still send me a DM and let me know that you're interested. If I see that there is interest, then I will open up another group for, you know, the US Canadian incredible women that want to manifest love. So either way, let me know that you're interested and I will use that to decide if I will take on another group. But yes, if you're in Australia, especially because that is just like a very tricky time, but also if you're in Asia, if you're in Europe, if you're in Africa and you want to work with me, let me know and I will give you all the details for this program. It's absolutely life-changing. It 100% will change the way that you think. It will change the way that you approach dating. It will change the way that you live. You're going to become a powerful manifester. It's just incredible. And so if this is speaking to you, then reach out to me on Instagram. I'm at Crystal Eram, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L. I as in igloo, R as in ranch, O as in octopus, M as in Mary. I don't know what these <laughs> word choices were. I think there's official words you're supposed to use when you're spelling something out. But it's Crystal Eram on Instagram. Send me a DM. Let me know that you're interested and we will go from there. So I just wanted to bring you fully up to date on that. And if you DM me, I'll, like I said, I'll give you all the info. There's no pressure to when you DM me. There's no pressure at all. I'm just going to tell you about the program. You'll also get to see a lot of um, you know reviews and testimonials from former clients, et cetera, et cetera. So let me know if that is something that you would like to dive into with me. All right, the Tinder Swindler. Let's hop to it. So I watch The Tinder Swindler. And, you know, I was not particularly familiar with this story. I know some people really heard about the story when, you know, he was arrested a few years ago or for various other reasons. I was not familiar with it at all. So I was really starting from ground one. And listen, let me tell you, this episode is going to be great even if you have no idea what I'm talking about. If you don't watch TV, if you don't have Netflix, if you've never seen The Tinder Swindler, that's okay. Stick with me. You're still going to get a ton of value from this because I really want you to understand how this is applicable to your own life. So the Tinder Swindler, the documentary that we saw basically focused on, you know, two primary women and then there was a third woman sort of at the end and we really got to hear their stories. They're not American. They were all, I want to say Scandinavian. They're all from Northern Europe. And here's something that I'll say that I thought was really interesting. When I was reading reviews or comments on social media or comments on blogs about the documentary. What I found really fascinating was that a lot of people were like, these women are so stupid. I just, I can't understand how this even happened because like they're so dumb. I thought this was interesting because one, these women had anywhere from 50 to several hundred thousand dollars stolen from them. So they were victims of a crime, of crimes. So for one, I thought it was really interesting that people were very quick in this sort of circumstance to blame the victim. Okay, so that I was I was very struck by. That. These women are so stupid. I can't believe this would happen to them. And it's like, you know, on the surface, I get it because 
we're talking about a lot of money, right? Like for most people, for the vast majority of people, for especially for the average person, but even the above average person, when you're talking about two, $300,000, that is not a small amount of money. So it's a little bit hard to fathom, you know, how could someone get that from you? How could someone take that from you? I mean, a lot of people just don't have that money sitting around anyway. But even if they did, they weren't going to give it away willy-nilly to someone. So that was the first thing that I noticed. People saying, these women are so stupid. And I'm just like, these women are not stupid. Like, that is the whole point. These women are not stupid. These women are very, and I, I'm saying, I want to say average, but I don't mean that in a negative way, like, oh, they're average women. No, I mean it in like, they're average. They're typical. And by typical, I mean, they're they're smart. They're well-educated. They had great jobs, right? That's what I mean when I say average. Like, they're not stupid. They're probably quite smart, generally speaking. It was a scam. And it was actually a really, really incredible scam, like a brilliant scam. And I think the thing to me that was interesting about people saying that they're so dumb is that when you decide, oh, that would never happen to me, I'm just too smart for that. I feel like that actually makes you more susceptible to something like this. It's like there's this level of arrogance where you think like that could never happen to me. I think when you think, of course, that could happen to me, that could literally happen to anyone. Look at these women. They're not that different than I am. It's actually a much better approach and more likely to keep you safe from something like this. So that was my first thought was just these women are not stupid. They're not stupid. They're quite typical. And they were scammed by a master scam artist. Here's how we see it, right? Like they meet this guy and he really, his name is Simon. And I can't remember the women's names. It'll come to me. I'm sure as I'm talking about it. Camilla, was that the first one? There's, so the, the guy's name is Simon and he matches with women on Tinder and he sets himself up to appear like the son of a billionaire. And he uses the name of an actual billionaire and he has these pictures of himself in these really fabulous locations. You know, he's obviously dressed well. He comes across very well-traveled. He looks like a guy with money. And when you're dating online, you only have so many things to go on, right? Like, you don't get to know everything about someone. So obviously, a guy who presents himself as successful is going to have some better success with online dating because that's something that women really value. Now, this was another thing that I thought was interesting was that one of the things, one of the criticisms about these women is they're such gold diggers. Ladies, it does not make you a gold digger to be attracted to a man who appears successful. That is just like basic biology. Just like men are not shallow for being attracted to women that are beautiful. There are certain things that like just base level. Yeah, most women would like someone who is successful. It's just basic. Like it is absolutely basic. It does not make you a gold digger. It makes you a gold digger if you say, I will only be with someone who has this amount of money and is going to provide this sort of, sort of lifestyle with me. And again, you can do that. Like I don't really want to poo-poo on someone who's a gold digger. Like if that's the kind of relationship you want, you're allowed to have that. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with it. So there's nothing inherently wrong with it. And if you desire someone who is financially stable, who has the appearance of material comforts, that does not automatically make you a gold digger. That makes you probably a pretty standard, typical, average woman, right? Most of us desire that. So he gets that. He makes himself look that way. And it's not hard for him because he's got this scam set up. So he matches with these women. And then he really shares the story of 
himself being the son of a billionaire. He shares that he's in diamonds. And he shares that he, it's a little bit dangerous that he has people that are against him. And he leaves things specific enough so there's something to latch onto, but vague enough that it's kind of like if you really, really were going to think about it, you're like, mm, something isn't adding up. But this is a very, oh, this is so interesting. This is a very typical thing that a lot of women do when they're dating. They get enough information. You get a picture and you take that picture and you fill in all of the blanks. So instead of being hypercritical every step of the way, you say, I have basically a puzzle and my mind is going to fill in any missing pieces of the puzzle with whatever seems congruent with the picture that's already there. So Simon clearly has an understanding of this because he is able to start creating that picture, that picture of the puzzle before he connects with these women at all because of the way his Tinder profile was set up, where he really looks like a man who's doing very well for himself, right? He, he already starts putting out that image. So before they even meet him, they have an idea, this is a guy who has a plan for his life, who's going someplace, who has a lot going for him. And then when he meets them, he meets them someplace really nice, and he creates a sense of urgency around the meeting as in, you know, I'm only in London for a night. I'm only going to be in Berlin for one night, but I would love to meet you while I'm here. Something where it's sort of like, we have to get together now. And these women are eager to meet him, right? Like if you are single and you've been on the apps, like you know how it is where it can feel like you're swiping, swiping, swiping. You haven't met someone you're actually interested in meeting in a couple of weeks. And so you do come across someone where it's like, oh, he's cute. Oh, he seems sweet. Oh, he seems smart. Oh, wow. He looks well-traveled. Looks like he's successful. I definitely want to meet this guy. See, and it's like, this is where you have to be really honest with yourself and with your own self-reflection, where it's like, you can say, yeah, I totally have done that. I have totally swiped right on a guy and started chatting with him and decided, I'm excited to meet this guy. I really think there could be something here without actually knowing much about him. Most people are somewhat guilty of this. And I think that it serves you well to be very honest about it so that you can understand what you're doing and you can stay really aware. So that's what they were doing. And again, most people do this. So I don't really blame them for that. So they haven't even met him. They're excited to meet him. And then He's creating this urgency. I'm only going to be around for this short amount of time. And so even if you usually have rules about, I'm not going to meet someone if it's a last minute date. Well, someone like this, you know, he's only in town for one night. What's the harm? And so then he says, I'm staying at this fill in the blank, beautiful five-star hotel. Why don't you come meet me here for a drink or coffee or dinner or whatever the particular date was? All right. I mean, this when I'm talking about it, when I'm going over it, I'm just like, this is so good. Like, it really is. He really gets into the psychology of how women approach dating. So now you've seen this guy who looks like he has everything that you might want. And then you're going to meet him at this beautiful, beautiful hotel. Right. And it's like, 
these hotels, when you walk in, everything about them is a, it's an experience, right? Like these five-star hotels, these beautiful five-star hotels in these cosmopolitan cities, they're meant to create an experience. Even when you walk through the door, like there's a smell. And it's like, you might not see where the smell is coming from, but like there's a smell. It just smells luxe and yeah, it just smells like luxe and opulent. So it's like right away you get this vibe and then you see this guy who seems to embody that same sort of vibe. It's very alluring. It's very alluring. Now, if you're someone who hates luxury and doesn't like opulence and doesn't like cities, then it would have less appeal for you, obviously. But for so many women, we do like that. Even if it's not something we actively search for, it's nice, right? Like that's why these hotels are, you know, $1,000, $1,500 a night because like it feels good when you're there. So now it's like he's created this image from the beginning. You haven't met, even met him yet. And now you walk through the doors of this beautiful hotel and the doorman opens the door for you and says, good evening, miss. And you go and you say, oh, I'm, I'm looking for the restaurant. They point you in the direction of the restaurant and you see the hostess and she says, oh, can I help you? And you say, oh, actually, there's the gentleman that I'm meeting. And there he is. And he looks all put together. And he's certainly not a bad looking guy, you know, whether or not he's your type or he's tall as you want, you know, is neither here nor there. But like, he certainly has the look. He looks completely at home in this place. And all of this is to say is that it is not hard to see how these women can start picturing themselves being a part of this man's life without knowing anything about him. Because this is what most of us do. We go on dates with someone and we say, he's so good looking. He's so sweet. We had such a fun conversation. He probably would make an amazing husband. He's going to be such a good boyfriend. I can just tell he's going to be a great dad one day. We start doing this. We start doing this even without thinking that the guy is a billionaire, okay? Because I work with all sorts of women. Some of them do date men that are mega wealthy and some of them date men that are totally normal, average, whatever. And this is a very common thing where you start filling in the blanks. So with the first woman, I don't remember what her name is. I wanna say Camilla. And Camilla is a cute name, so we're just gonna go with that. If you saw the documentary that I'm talking about, the first woman, the, the primary woman, whose story we heard. So this is exactly what happens with Camilla. She, by her own admission though, was sort of hoping for a fairy tale. Like she has been dating for years. Uh, she's in her early 30s and she is still holding out hope for that fairy tale romance. And so as soon as she walks through those doors to that hotel to meet him for that first date, that's kind of where she is. Like she is getting excited about this. And so they have their meal together and she felt a connection with him right away. She really did. She said she felt a connection with him. She enjoyed the conversation. And like, this makes sense, right? He's a professional con man. So I don't doubt that he knew the things to say and that he was charming and, you know, made her feel taken care of even for that time that they're just sitting there at the restaurant. So this is the whole setup. And then Oh, then it gets really good. So he says he's not staying around. He really enjoyed getting to know her. He'd love to get to know her better. But he has some work thing. I don't remember the specifics. I think they were in London for their first date. And then he had to go to, I don't remember, 
Prague or Budapest or someplace else, someplace else in Europe, he had to go for work. And of course, you know, she's going to have that moment of disappointment where it's like she's hoping to see him again soon. And then he says, would you like to come with me? Would you like to come with me? So this is like a romantics dream come true. If you haven't taken my love type quiz, I have a quiz um, and it'll tell you what your love type is. So if you're a romantic, this would be like your kryptonite. Okay, I'm a romantic. (laughs) By my own assessment, I would be a romantic. So if this is you, don't feel bad. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you're a romantic, this would be like, that's it. You're done. Like he says, can I take you on a trip? It'll be on the jet. Would you like to join me? Like done. What more is there after that? So I would guess that Camilla is a romantic. I'll make sure to link the quiz. So take the quiz and see what your type is. If you're not a romantic, this still could get you. This still could be a thing where you're just like, oh my gosh, swoon. Of the types, there's only one type where this would not be their cup of tea. And we actually saw some of Camilla's text messages with her friends. So in the documentary, they they show a lot of like the WhatsApp messaging. And so we see she has a group chat with some of her girlfriends. And so she's talking about this date that she's on. And she's saying, oh my gosh, you guys, he invited me on his jet. And there is one of the friends being like, are you kidding me? This is so weird. Don't freaking go. Right. And it's like, we all have that one friend who's like, what? This sounds crazy now. And, you know, it's not bad or good. It is what it is. Like, I mean, I think it serves us all well to have one of those friends who's just like, no, this is too good to be true. And sometimes we don't like to tell the friend things, right? Because she's the one who's going to poo-poo on it and be like, no, he's a liar. He's tricking you. This is too good to be true. Don't fall for it, right? So she did have that one friend who was like, what? No, don't get on his plane. Obviously, she didn't listen. So she goes on this plane with him. And, you know, I've personally never been on a private jet. That would certainly be a fun experience for me. I would be like, this is this is sexy. This is exciting, right? This is romantic. And a lot of women would re- react that way. And Camilla certainly reacted that way. And we see a little bit of footage of her on the plane with him. And it's like, she obviously is feeling swept away by the experience by the situation that she's in and like the excitement and the romance of it. But it's funny because even in the clips that we see, she does look nervous. She doesn't look 100% comfortable. There's this scene where she's sort of, you know, she's recording them on her phone and she gives him a kiss on the cheek. And it doesn't look totally natural. It doesn't look like she was just feeling it in the moment. It looks like I'm feeling a lot of gratitude for this experience that I've never had, that this man is now giving me, right? And it's like, we like that. Most of the women that I work with they like new experiences. They're adventurous. They want to see things. They want to see places. They want to meet people. They want to have different experiences. And so this sense of this person is providing these experiences that I haven't had, that I wouldn't otherwise have, is incredibly attractive. And that was very much the vibe that I got from that particular scene. Like, wow, this is amazing. I could get used to this. I would like to have more of this. Like, even without knowing more about him as a person. It's just like, I would like to have more of this in my life, right? It's like, if you're going to a job that is fine, but not 
not amazing, not terrible, just fine. And, you know, you see the same friends and, you know, your friends are in different stages of life than you, you know, some of them are getting married and having babies and you're just sort of feel like you're doing the same thing you've been doing. Then, yeah, to have someone come in with these this over-the-top sort of lifestyle, it's going to feel fun. It's going to feel very exciting and very different. And it's not surprising that someone would be easily pulled into that. So this is where it gets a little bit crazier and where it gets even harder to resist, in my humble opinion. Simon had told her, Simon had told Camilla that he he had a child. So on the plane is this child, this little girl, and there's a woman with the child, naturally. And it seems that this is the baby's mother and that for whatever reason, she's traveling with Simon and the baby is with them. And she basically tells Camilla what an amazing man he is, what an amazing father he's been, how well he's taken care of her, even though they're no longer together. She's traveling with him, even as he's bringing another woman along who, you know, is a date. So now, not only does she have the picture that Simon created, even without saying anything, and she has this experience in this beautiful hotel, and then she has the excitement of the experience of getting ready to go on the jet. But now there's another woman in the picture who is corroborating everything that she's been making up, essentially. All of the excitement that she's feeling and all of the quick judgments that she's making and the decision that she's making in her own mind that he is an amazing man and he would make an amazing partner. There is now a woman, a seemingly, you know, unconnected or neutral or objective woman, basically saying, yes, all of the things you're seeing about him are true. I thought that was really interesting. And it was interesting because in the documentary, it wasn't really discussed much. We never got like a clear understanding of what the story was with her and like why. I'm telling you <laughs> pretty much all that we get about it. And so that was really interesting to me because like we just still hard to understand exactly what her role was and why it is that she would tell this girl these things. But I will say, when you have a woman who seems to be the mother of someone's child, speaking very highly of that man, that to me would be very compelling, right? Like, wow, if this woman who kind of has all the reasons in the world to maybe be upset with him or to not say positive things about him or to have a rocky relationship with him, if, if, she, if she has that and she's saying that, then wow, everything that I've been imagining is probably true. When I started dating my husband, we were we were long distance. And after I went to visit him, he set me up with a girlfriend of his who was the ex-wife of one of his friends. And the friend and the ex had been married for about five years and they had divorced and she was living in New York and I was living in New York. And he was just like, 
if you want to meet this friend of mine, she's really sweet. Like, I think you guys will get along and it'll be really fun. So I met up with her. We totally hit it off and we became friends. Like we, like we, we really did become friends and, you know, she came to our wedding and we're still in touch and we had babies actually within the same week of each other. And we did become friends. And it was interesting because when we met up and she told me about my husband and she was already out of the friend group, right? Like she had been married to one of the guys and they had gotten divorced. And so it was a similar sort of thing where it's like, she was speaking really highly of my husband. And she was just telling me what an amazing man he is and what a great friend he is and what a loving, caring person he is and how much he like looks out for people and takes care of people and does what he says he's going to do and shows up when he says he's going to show up and all of these things that you want in a partner. So she was telling me all these things about him. And I was like, I had seen all of that. But we hadn't been dating long at this point, you know, like I had met him and then we'd had several weeks apart and then he flew me out to see him and we were together for a week. And then I'm meeting up with this girl who was telling me all these things that I, I thought were probably true. And then she was telling me and I already liked him. If she had said he was a horrible person, I don't know how much weight I would have given it. She said he was a great person. I don't know how much weight I gave it, but it did give me a sense of almost like, I, I want to say safety almost, where it's just like, okay, here's this woman who's in my city. She's not where they are. She's not a part of that group anymore. She's divorced from his friend. Like she has no stake in this one way or another. And she's saying all these things like, I took that as a good sign. Now it happens to be that she was honest and <laughs> she was not part of some master scam. All that is just to say that that was a very, mm, I don't know, like, I don't know what his plan was. I don't know what part of the scam that was. But if that was specifically part of the scam where he's like, I'm going to have this woman here to talk about how great I am, that was really smart. Because I think for women, sometimes it can feel easy to trust another woman who we think is going to be objective, who we just sort of expect to be on our side. And so if that was a specifically a part of, his scam where he's like, I'm going to have her here so that she can sort of talk me up. You know, that's particularly deceptive and manipulative. And I guess as a scammer, very smart, right? Like that is going to be very, very compelling evidence for a lot of women. For me, it definitely would have been just like when I met this friend of my husband's, that really gave me a sense of like, okay, there's, you know, there's something I can really trust here. Okay, so she meets this woman. She's on this beautiful private jet. They land in the city and then they spend some time together. But then it's like it got a little bit weird. He wasn't being as attentive. He was a little bit overwhelmed with all these different calls that he's getting. You know, and it's like we know now it's because he's a a scammer and he's probably dealing with scamming some other woman. But she has the visit with him, has the trip with him, and then she goes home. She doesn't know if she's going to hear from him. And then she does hear from him, and he's sweet, and he's attentive, and they start texting every day, and it's like every every night and every morning he's texting her, and, and she feels like all day long we're, we're messaging. And so a lot of women, they say to me, he's really consistent. Like, I just love that he's so consistent. You know, every morning I get a good morning beautiful text. 
And I'm just like, whenever I hear that, I'm always like, that's a starting point. Like, you have to think of that as a starting point. And this is a perfect example of why. Because sometimes we're putting too much stake in these things that require such minimal effort. And it's like, you want to require a little bit more effort. Someone texting you, good morning, beautiful every day. It's sweet. It's nice. It's a nice thing to wake up to. And think about how much effort that takes. Right? Like if we were going to rank effort things on a scale of one to 10, where would a good morning, beautiful text fall? Right? Like one. Now, the problem is, is that some women are not even requiring like that much. So it's not about saying like, he has to constantly be doing these over the top things. Like I'm not talking about like the size of the gestures. It's about like how much stake are you putting in things that aren't particularly valuable or meaningful. Because what we saw at the end of the documentary is that he was sending off the same messages to like a bunch of bunch of women. And it just didn't mean anything. It really didn't mean anything. He was sending off the same messages all the time. I love you. I miss you. I'm thinking of you. You're so beautiful. I'll talk to you soon. You have to require a little bit more. You have to require a little bit more like you just do. And that's it. That's really it. You have to require a bit more and you have to require a bit more over time. So, you know, I just wanted to give a little bit of the background on that because you have to understand how attached we all get to our stories. And the way that we think that things work. So it's like this man has created this image. And here's something I hear a lot. Women will say, I just want it to be how it was at the beginning. Like women always just want to go back to how it was at the beginning. And I'm like, forget the beginning. The beginning was just the beginning. That's how things start, right? Some guys are great in the beginning. So if you are a few months into a relationship, two months, three months, four months, five months, six months, and you're like, I just want to get back to the beginning, let it go. It's not going back to the beginning. Like It's just not going back to the beginning. And if you can't find goodness in the relationship beyond the beginning, it's not a relationship that was really meant to be. It's not a relationship that is sustainable. And that was certainly the case here because it's like that was the beginning. Felt very magical. Felt very romantic. He's sending these sweet messages. They're talking all the time. So here was another thing that he did that I thought was really, really messed up in terms of the scam and in terms of her psychology, which is that they're dating they're talking all the time. She feels like they're legitimately getting to know each other and getting really close. And he says, I want you to be my girlfriend. And she says, wonderful. I'd love to be your girlfriend. So now she feels like they are in a committed, exclusive, loving relationship. And he says, you're the only one for me. I can see myself marrying you. I can see myself having kids with you. Right? So it's like he's saying all of the things that would make it seem that they're in a real relationship. So again, it's like she's not an idiot because he was telling her and showing her that they were together. Okay, so that's all fine and good. Then he says to her, I want to move in together, which is wonderful. I want to move in together too. And so he says to her, our budget is 15,000 pounds a month. I want you to go look for apartments for us. So 15,000 pounds a month in rent is not a small amount of rent, okay? That is a lot of rent. I mean, I don't know what your rent is, or what your mortgage is, but 15,000 pounds? I mean, what is that in dollars even? 15,000 pounds to dollars. Yeah, that's $20,000 a month in rent. So 
certainly not unheard of, but that is certainly well above average, right? Like that is going to be a very nice place. And so she's looking at these apartments. And the thing that I was thinking about this is that he is really, really, really helping her draw this incredible picture of the life that they will have together. This is not a, you know, overnight scam. He is putting in thought to really forming this vision of himself in her mind as a man that really has means, right? She knows my rent isn't near 15,000 pounds. None of my friend's rent is near 15,000 pounds. I don't know anyone whose rent is 15,000 pounds a month. So she is really able to create this vision of a life because now she's looking at these beautiful, beautiful apartments and these beautiful buildings, the kind of apartments she probably never saw herself ever living in. And she feels like she has free reign to just choose, right? Like that is going to be a good feeling. That is going to be a good feeling. I'm trying to build a life with someone and look what he's able to provide me with, right? Like the sense of safety and security that would go along with that. Now, from someone who comes from an unstable background or an impoverished background or an average background, anything like that, that's going to be a big deal. That is going to be extremely attractive, extremely compelling. That is going to feel like this is what I've been looking for. Like this is a relationship I really want to cherish because I don't know if I'm going to find this again. Like this feels really, really freaking good. So she's looking at these beautiful apartments and like you can just tell she is just like giddy about it. You know, and it's like I say all this because it's like she's not an idiot. She thinks that she's building a life with this person. Now, the only thing not the only thing. There were other things as well. The biggest thing is that this is a short timeline we're talking about. I don't remember exactly how long it is, but it's definitely under six months. I want to say less than, maybe less than three months. Now, does that mean that short timelines are a scam? Absolutely not. What you have to look for if you are in a relationship that seems to be moving fast is that there can be absolutely zero red flags from beginning to end. Okay, zero red flags, meaning if you're going to be someone who's going to get engaged in three months, six months, nine months, a year, that's fine. It does not mean that the relationship cannot work. There's no inherent problem with a relationship that moves through the stages quickly. But there must be zero red flags, meaning from the time you start dating to the time you get to the altar, there's no red flags. If a red flag pops up at any point, you have to slow down. If a red flag pops up at any point, you have to slow down. You have to say, oh, this relationship was going really well, but now there is a major red flag. I have to see what this actually means. I cannot keep going at this breakneck pace. Okay. Now, there were red flags already. There were quite a few red flags. She never knew where he was. There was no real consistency in when she was going to see him. He had these vague enemies after him. However, the biggest red flags had not come up yet, but they're coming. They're coming really soon. So I wanted to give background because I just feel like I get her. I get why she's excited. I get why she's not wanting to slow down and think about this. I get why she is enjoying the ride. It is a fun freaking ride. Like this would be amazing. So fun. 
And I don't want to fault her for that because I don't think that that makes her a gold digger or stupid or anything else. I think it makes her a woman who loves the idea of love that comes along with a certain lifestyle, right? Like if you can have the love of your life and he happens to be, you know, rich AF, cool, (laughs) cool. Okay, so at this point, she's only seen small red flags. She hasn't had the big red flags, but they come very shortly after this. One night, she gets a message from him in the middle of the night, and he's like, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it's basically like 911, Peter is down. Peter is his bodyguard, and she has met Peter. She knows who Peter is. He sends a video of himself and Peter in an ambulance, Peter obviously has blood on his face. Unclear exactly what happened, but it looks very dangerous. It sounds very scary, right? He's mentioned that he had these enemies before. He obviously travels with this bodyguard, but there was nothing substantiated as far as she knew. This would be the first time where it's like these vague threats that he's talked about might seem real to her, where she might feel like, wow, he's actually living this dangerous life. I had, I didn't realize. But he's done it in such a way that he's already presented himself as this man who's living this lifestyle that's very far removed from what seems normal to her. So she's not thinking like, this is just a regular guy who's getting into this weird trouble. Like she has a firm picture that he is extremely wealthy, right? Like everything he has done up until this point has painted him as a man who has a lot of money available, a lot of disposable money available, right? Like he has more than enough because he's living a lavish lifestyle. So he shares that Peter is in danger. His enemies are after him. Peter protected him. So he's safe, but he's not going to be able to see her as soon as he thought. He's not going to be able to be settled in London as soon as he thought because his security situation is just not stable right now. Okay. So I feel like it's not fair to think about this without actually thinking about what it might be like to be in this position. Because this isn't some bum off the street. This is the man that she thinks she is going to marry. She feels definitely emotions and feelings that are telling her, you love this man. He is important to you. This is your future. This is your future. This is your husband. This is going to be the father of your children. And he's in danger, right? So like, that's an intense feeling. It's like the clarity of that, the truth to that, we can't know. It's very hard to judge that because it's very subjective. Feeling like you're in love with someone is a subjective thing, right? Like, it's very hard to, it's, it's like hard to say. So I would guess that she had sincere feelings for him, that she sincerely felt protective towards him and felt scared for him and for herself also for their future, right? Like this was the man she's planning on building a life with. And now it's like he might be in this real danger. I remember early on after Kobe and I had gotten married and he was supposed to be going to this wedding like an hour and a half from where we lived. Like it was whatever, it was just a drive. And it was during the winter, so it had been dark for hours already. And I was just like 
overcome with anxiety about something happening to him. And I was like, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to go on this drive. He was driving by himself. It was like a friend that he knew from work. There were like his other friends who like lived near us weren't going. And I didn't want to go. I was tired. I didn't know this person that well. Like I just wasn't really in the mood to go. And he was like, babe, I have to go. Like I RSVP'd months ago. Like it's my friend's wedding. Like, of course I'm going to go. And I don't know where the anxiety came from. It really felt like it came out of the blue and I was just scared. I was like, I don't want you to go. I just, I'm scared something's going to happen to you. And he was just like, babe, I love you so much. I'm sorry, but like, I'm going to this wedding. Like I have to go, you know, which fine. Like, why should he give into this random whim I'm having? But I could not get past it. So I went with him and I was like, can you wait 20 minutes? I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to come with you. Okay. And it's like, I was probably in pajamas at this point. Like I got myself dressed and threw on a little bit of makeup and brushed my hair so that I could go to this damn wedding an hour and a half away. And it was fine. He was fine. The wedding was completely uneventful. There was no traffic. It was an easy, boring drive. But I love him. And I loved him. And when I had a fear, however irrational or made up or out of nowhere it was, it felt very scary to me. I felt very scared. I felt like I love this man. I love this person. And the thought of something happening to him, I'm not going to sit home by myself. I'd rather be with him. And there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. It was completely made up. It was entirely in my head. Now, there's so many times where it's like you have to trust your gut, you have to trust your intuition, but it's like you also have to know the difference between your intuition and anxiety. And that was not intuition. There was no intuition there. It was just me getting freaked out, creating scenarios in my head. And I got my ass up and I went with him and nothing happened. All that is to say that if you legitimately love someone, you legitimately feel like this is my person, this is my future, then the thought of something happening to him is terrifying absolutely terrifying. And I feel like that's what some people miss when they say like, oh, these women are so stupid. Like, no, she wasn't being stupid. She felt like she loved this man. She felt like she was going to marry this man. And she is now scared. She sees his bodyguard, who's a lot bigger than he is, has been injured. Like, that's scary. Just like, who are these people? How dangerous is this really? Okay. So now he's created this incredible picture of himself as being very wealthy. He has shown her over a month or two that this is real. And now he's created this massive sense of fear in her because she feels like this is my future and something could actually happen to him. Okay. So all of this has happened. And then the big red flag comes when he says, I can't use any of my accounts. It's too dangerous. Can you wire me $20,000? Okay. So that's when the big red flag comes. After all of this, like he's taken her on this emotional roller coaster before the request for money comes, the first request for money. There's many, many more. But th that's a lot to happen before the first request for money. And, you know, you can say what you want. She didn't have, so here's the thing. She didn't have the money. One of the other women did have some money available. So her first few, you know, quote unquote loans to him were from cash that she had. Camilla did not have, oh my God, her name's not Camilla. Her name is Cecile. <laughs> I'm, now I remember her name is Cecile. I'm going to keep calling her Camilla just for the sake of clarity now. But for anyone who watched, who's been like, oh my God, Crystal, her name is Cecile. 
you dummy. <laughs> Why are you calling her Camilla? I apologize. Her name is Cecile. And if you have been listening to this and you watch the documentary and you're like, who the hell is she talking about? Now you know. Cecile equals Camilla, as far as I'm concerned. Cecile. Who we're going to continue calling Camilla. Forgive me. So Camilla doesn't have the money. But she's worried about this man. She loves him. She takes out a loan. She takes out like a a short-term, very high interest, I'm sure, loan. And she wires it to him. And then it starts happening more and more. And he did pay her back some chunk of the money initially. So it's like he asked for money a handful of times. And then she's starting to get really stressed about it. And then he wires her the full amount that he's borrowed up until this point. Now, this is another interesting part of the scam because now she's done it. She's been freaked out. She's been really scared. He sent her the money. And so now she feels like it's fine for me to give him this money because I know he's going to pay me back because he did before. Now, he never pays her again. She never sees any more cash from him. But he did do it that one time, which, you know, just goes to say, like, again, understandable why she would expect that he would pay her back. And this keeps happening now. He's asking her for larger sums of money. He's getting more intense and more urgent. And, you know, it sort of goes on from there. So the other point that I want to make about this is that one of the reasons that she and some of the other women may have been compelled to get him money, especially money that they didn't have, would be this sense of like wanting to show him how committed they are, how much they love him. My whole sense when watching Camilla was that she loves him, that she maybe still is in love with him. And even if she doesn't love him, she still has him on a pedestal, you know, because now it's like now she knows everything. Like in the documentary, she already knows everything that goes down. And she, you know, wants her revenge on him and she doesn't like what he did, but it doesn't seem like the feelings went away. And that happens, right? Like, And that is one of the biggest dangers of falling for someone who is, you know, a true narcissist or someone who is a sociopath or a psychopath. I'm not diagnosing him. I don't know if he actually has some sort of personality disorder, but it certainly wouldn't be shocking for, it wouldn't be shocking at all that he does. He definitely has narcissistic traits, whether or not he actually fits within it, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to go there. But he definitely has a lot, enough narcissistic traits where it's like none of that would be at all surprising. And it's like in a situation like that, you're going to be left holding the emotional bag because someone like that doesn't, doesn't take on emotions of other people. Like they don't take on, they don't take on much emotion, you know, except for if it's like directly about them. They lack empathy essentially. So she, I feel, has him on such a pedestal that she wanted to make sure that he could see that she was going to be, you know, quote unquote, different than other women, different than other people in his life. That even if he was in trouble or he was going through some sketchy situation, she wasn't just going to abandon him at the first sign of trouble. That even though he's the billionaire and he's been taking care of her and he's always got everything under control, if things are really bad, she's going to be there when the chips are down, right? I'm not going to leave you like everyone else. You're in danger. I don't have that kind of money, but I will get it for you because we're a team. We're going to have a life together. You're going to be the father of my children. I'm going to be your wife. Of course, whatever you need, I will figure it out. Let me prove to you that I'm wife material. Let me prove to you that I'm the type of woman that can 
keep up with this crazy life of yours, right? Like that's the sense of what she is doing. That explains why she would be going through these motions, why she would be endangering herself in this way financially. So I want to point out a couple of things that you can really do and really, really stay aware of when you're dating online. Because one thing that she said that I really appreciate was that she didn't stop dating online. She didn't blame the app. And I don't think you should blame the app, right? He's been banned from Tinder and I think probably all dating apps at this point. But it's not the app's fault. And it's not app's fault in general. And it doesn't mean that she cannot or anyone cannot find love online. But here's what you want to do. The first thing is you really want to be aware and wary of love bombing. So if you meet someone and he is laying it on thick in the beginning, you want to receive and allow yourself to enjoy without attaching meaning. He's telling you on date one, on date two, on date three, I love you. I've never felt this way before. Here's all these fancy things. Here's these elaborate dates. Here are these flowers. Here's this, that, and the other. You can enjoy it. You can receive it, but do not attach meaning to it. Instead of saying, wow, this must mean he's the one. This is what I've been waiting for all my life. Just say, wow, beautiful flowers. Oh, what a fun, creative date. I love that. And just leave it at that without making it mean something, without making it mean that it's meant to be, that it's destined, that your soulmates, that it's this and that. You want to require more, require more, require more over time, okay? You also want to require consistency. And the consistency means more than just a good morning, beautiful text. That's minimum effort. You want to require consistency in terms of true investment. How is he showing up for you? How is he showing up for you over time? If you have a hard day, how is he responding to that? Is he trying to learn more about you? Is he trying to reveal more about himself? Or is he trying to keep it very surface? When you think about the messages that he's sending you and the conversations that you two are having, could he be having those same conversations with seven other women in the same day? Is he sharing generically about himself? Is he sharing in a way where it's like this could be a story that's rehearsed? Or are you asking him those questions where he's going to have to respond specifically to you? What kind of real consistency is he showing? Do you know how to get a hold of him? Does he want you to be able to get a hold of him? And the other thing that you can really, really do is require that you actually gather the information and not just fill in the blanks. When you meet someone You want to be very aware of what you're truly learning about the person and not just making everything up for yourself, not just deciding that because he dresses well, he's a billionaire. Because he has met me at this fancy hotel, it must mean that he's going to be a great provider. Don't fill in those blanks. Actually gather information over time. Allow yourself to enjoy anything that's in front of you, but require more than that. Make sure that you are actually seeing consistent investment and energy and effort over time. And if there are any red flags at any point, you have to slow down. So yes, you can say, I'm excited about this relationship. I'm excited about where it's going. And if there's a red flag, that's the time to go talk to that really skeptical girlfriend of yours, right? Like tell her the whole story. Tell her the story with a straight face and let her tell you how insane you're being, right? Like, have those people in your life that are going to give you a reality check. 
Don't become so defensive and protective of a brand new person, a brand new relationship that you're not willing to see reality, that you're not willing to share it with someone who does have a more critical or more skeptical eye than you do, right? Like you don't have to give up your hopefulness or your excitement or your positivity or your optimism. You don't have to give that up. And if you know that's how you are, if you know that you're that romantic type, you have to be willing to connect with those people in your life that are going to give it to you straight, that are going to force you to look at things a little bit more critically. So I wanted to give just like a little summary of a couple of those things, but I really feel like these things of what you can do have been pointed out throughout this whole episode. So I hope that you enjoyed it. And, you know, I would love to hear your thoughts. So feel free to DM me on Instagram and let me know. And if you absolutely love this episode, I definitely would love to hear that. I just think that there was a lot of goodness that came out of this documentary. And, you know, at this point, I I watched a couple of weeks ago already. So if you want me to go even further, if you want me to break it down more, you know, I'll give it another watch. We could talk about it more, but you have to tell me that you are interested in that. So the other thing that you can do that really helps me out so much is when you're listening to this podcast episode, take a screenshot and then share it to your stories. Let me know what part you absolutely loved. What were some of the highlights for you? What did you learn? What questions do you still have? So I just hope you love this episode. I loved recording it. I loved watching this documentary. I just thought it was so interesting. And um, that's what I have for you today. Like I mentioned at the beginning, I am opening up a handful of spots for my mastermind small group coaching program. It's going to be absolutely life-changing. For those of you in those non-North American time zones who have been waiting for an opportunity to work with me, this is really your chance. Definitely your only chance in 2022 if you want that close, high-touch coaching opportunity. So send me a DM over on Instagram. And uh, I love you all. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes and be sure to tune in next time to the Rise and Love podcast. 